0: You'd open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. This morning we got an easy one. Just open your Bibles right at the very beginning. Genesis 3, we're going to read the first 20 verses. Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God says you may not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. The servant said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you should not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. I was reading an article about how they trap animals in in Africa for zoos in America. And apparently the hardest animal to catch is the ring-tailed monkey. Um, I guess it's just quick and it's fast and they they just struggle with this one. And, And so usually... Um, there's a a certain tribe of Africans um, that are the ones who catch it. And they found an effective way to to catch these monkeys. Um, While they wouldn't normally go into cages like we would think of it, um, what what they are willing to do is um, eat seeds. Food is is what really draws them. And so what they do is they they, they plant these uh, vines, um, watermelon, melon, different places, um, they guard them so that nothing can get to them, and then when they're ripe, they, they they cut a very small hole right at the very top of it, a hole big enough for a monkey to stick his hands in and, and, and actually pull it right out, but um, the problem is the, the monkeys would stick their hands in and grab the seeds. Well, now there's a fist, and you, they couldn't pull it out of the hole, and those monkeys would fight, and they'd chatter, and they'd struggle against the the, the, the melon, they'd bite at it, but... They couldn't break it. They couldn't get through it. And, and that's how these tribes of, of Africans would, would catch these, these monkeys um, simply because they wouldn't let go of the seeds. If they just let go, they could, they could run free. But they're unwilling to. They hang on. They have a craving for those seeds, and because of it, it takes their freedom away. And this often how temptation works in our own lives. Some sins can look so good at first, promising to fulfill and, and, and satisfy the desires of our heart. But it never delivers that promise. And in the end, just like those monkeys and the, and the seeds, it, it begins to steal our freedom. While well, it cannot make you lose your salvation... Because our, our salvation is secure in Christ Jesus when you become a child of God. Yet, at the same time, Satan can make us sick and weak and ineffective. And that's why it's so important to understand how temptation works. And stop it before it gets to the point where you feel like you're out of control and you're powerless against it. And that's really what we've been talking about the, the past couple of weeks. The key to spiritual transformation through the working of the Holy Spirit, it really begins with our thoughts. When we change the way we think, then we change the way we feel. When we change the way we feel, we'll begin to change the way we act. So far we've looked at our spiritual and financial health and how it's so important the way we've we look at those things, the way we think about them. It's God's money, not ours, um, our spiritual health. That, that God's the one who calls us to himself, to be his children, to be in a relationship with him, all made possible through Christ Jesus. And, and that relationship, it's just so important. Since we're talking about sin this morning, I thought we'd go all the way back to the very beginning. And, and as we, we, we study this passage, I, I don't want to focus so much of what the consequences were. Um, we, we've talked about those before, and, and, and they're severe. But I want to look more at what the temptation was um, at the beginning. Why, was that, why were they so, so susceptible, susceptible to that? Why, why was that something that, that, that tempted them the way they, it, it did? And so we're going to be looking at that. Adam and Eve once walked in, in the Garden of Eden with, with God. Imagine what that must have been like. I mean, they knew intimacy with God in, in, in the Garden. Genesis 2.25 tells us that man and, and um, his wife, Adam and Eve, they, they, they were naked, naked emotionally, spiritually, mentally. They were, they were naked before each other and before God, and it was good because there was no sin. But all that changed after they disobeyed God and ate of the apple or whatever, whatever that fruit was. And all my, mankind has experienced the, the, the consequences of this ever since. And without Christ, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's what everyone is facing unless they come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What exactly happened in the garden? Why was this so tempting for Adam and Eve? Well, I think we're, it would be helpful to let James help us understand a little bit about temptation. And so I'm going to read James 1, 14 through 15. And if you still have your Bibles open, maybe you might want to turn there. James 1, 14 through 15. And it says this, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own evil desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully, fully grown, gives birth. Brings forth death. So, according to James, temptation begins as a an internal internal desire. That's where it starts, and through that, it moves to doubt. Through that, I mean, doubt. Like, did God really say that? I mean, that's basically what the devil was doing, even though God had just said that. And then that leads to uh, belief in the lie or the half truth that the devil is, is presenting, which eventually results in, in death and, and spiritual distance from the Lord. Let's begin with the first step, desire. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires, which we then act on. If you have a, a desire for something, if you, I, I should say if you don't have a desire for something, you're not going to be tempted by it. It begins with a desire in your heart. It begins with a longing, something that you want, that you think you need to have in order to be happy. And that might be a material thing. It could be a physical thing. It could be an emotional thing. It could be almost almost anything. Lay's potato chips, they use the slogan, you just can't eat one. What do they know about those chips? If you eat one, how many are you going to eat? Two. And probably if you eat two, you're going to eat five, and if you eat five you might eat half the bag or the whole bag depending on how hungry you are <clears throat> sin is like this too if the devil can make you believe that something in the world will make you happy something of the flesh he knows that you're all that much closer giving in to temptation and that's why it's important the bible says to make every thought captive to obey christ make every thought captive To obey Christ. Let's say this week you received a a call from the doctor's office. This could literally happen to any of us. And the message is simple and kind of unsettling. Doctor has reviewed your tests and would like you to come into his office for a consultation. That's all he said. That's all the message said. So what do you do? Well, right away you have a choice anxiety or trust. Am I going to trust in the Lord in this, or am I going to allow anxiety to flood my heart, my soul, my life? Anxiety says I'm in trouble. Why does God allow this to happen to me? Am I being punished? I must have done something wrong. I know this is going to be bad news. I just know I don't want to go. My family has a history of cancer and heart trouble. Who will raise the kids if I get sick and die? Who will pay the medical bills? No one cares. At all that, that this is happening to me, I'm all alone. Do you see how quickly that train of thought happened? I mean, I know that's extreme, but still, that, that's how our minds work. We, we start with a little bit of anxiety that we allow to fester there, and before you know it, there you go, down the hole, and pretty soon it's all gloom and doom. See, there is a choice you're gonna put your trust in the Lord, or you're gonna allow your heart to be filled with anxiety. But before you call your mom, spouse, neighbor, or friend, we need to call upon the Lord. We need to surrender it to Him. We need to claim the promises that God has made us in situations like this, which is why we don't have to be afraid. Invite Him to speak to the problem. That's how we take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. So you really need to put handcuffs on those thoughts right away before you allow them to fester, before you start running down that trail, and, oh, the devil will take you to all kinds of places. Your sinful flesh will take you to all kinds of places. But it's always away from the Lord. And so instead we need to trust in Him. It's a choice. Now James says temptation begins with internal desire. He says the lure of our desire begins within. It doesn't start somewhere else doesn't start on tv or in the store it starts in our mind and then what happens is our our sinful flesh the devil he takes really what's a good thing a good need a good desire and and he perverts it just like the the desire for for sleep for uh, love for financial stability those aren't bad things but when they become too important to us and they become even more important than who God is, that's when we get into trouble. Temptation turns a routine desire into a desire that, that gets out of control. Fire in a fireplace, man, that's wonderful. It keeps you warm. Fire in a, an old-fashioned stove. You could cook food on top of it. But fire that's let loose That's uncontrolled well you know it can burn the house down think about the desire to be loved this is a good desire but there's so many unhealthy and sinful ways to try to satisfy that desire and that's what gets us into trouble that's what leads us from the Lord it's like the tree that God forbid Adam and Eve to eat in the garden Adam and Eve could eat of any tree in the garden. Think of a big forest preserve. Lots of fruit trees. A lot of flowering trees. Just a, just a beautiful place. God says you can eat of any tree that you want. Just don't eat of this one tree. Don't even touch it. Well, What do you think they... After he said that, what did they want to do? They wanted to touch it. That's what Satan tempt, tempt, tempted them to do is, is want and desire that and, and start to question who God was. He first was tempting them to doubt God's word. Did God really say? Well, yeah, he did. He just said it to you. If you touch it, if you eat of it, you're you're, going to die. But did God really say that? See how he he just kind of twists things. And he tries to get us to doubt God's word. And on top of that, not only do we doubt God's word, but the devil tempts us to think that maybe God is somehow holding back on us. That God really has something that he doesn't want us to get because if we get it, then we'll be just like him. And God doesn't want us to be just like him. and So he's holding back on us. Really, you're doubting his love, his goodness, his care for us. And the devil does both of these. You know, we can see this in the first temptation. Satan comes to Eve and says, see that tree out there? Did God really say you can't eat of that tree? So what is Satan doing? He's getting Eve to doubt God's word, or at least to question it. Second, Satan says, God knows if you eat of the tree, you'll be as smart as he is. Again, what's he doing? He's getting her to doubt God's goodness and love. Just just keep that in mind as we we, we proceed because we do the same thing even today. We doubt those two things. God's goodness, that God really cares about us, that God loves us, as well as d- gout, doubting God's word. Think of how we apply this to, to today. Did God really say you can't have sex outside of marriage? Did God really say that? Did God really say forgive someone instead of getting even with them? Did God really say it's more blessed to give than to receive? Did God really say that two people of the same sex can't be together? I mean, love is love, right? That's what the world is saying. Do you see how subtle that temptation is? If he can just get us to doubt it a little, little, little bit, then we're further down that road of giving in to temptation. And so the third step of temptation is where Satan replaces God's truth with a lie. Again, Satan says, will you really die if you eat of this tree? Even though God had already said that. Satan tempts them to doubt God's word and whether he really has their best in mind and that's what James says, but each person is enticed by their own evil desires. Enticed. Another good word for that is lured. If you ever gone fishing with somebody else, you, you know how important using the right bait is. I, I always feel bad when I go fishing with, like, say, Jeff Case, and I catch all the fish, and he just sits there. But still. But you, what I've noticed with Jeff is he, he's a Dutchman. You may not have known this. And he tries to cut his worm into fifths. You know, so they, they, they stretch and they go a long ways. And, and I think that might be part of his problem, but I'm not sure. But anyways, that's beside the point. <laughs> I don't, what was I even saying? <laughs> Lures. <laughs> but it's using the right bait, right? I mean, Jeff might be catching fish and I'm not. Why? Because he's using the right colors. He's using the right bait. He's doing something that will attract the fish. And, and vice versa. And don't you think the devil does the same thing to us? He uses the right bait. How does he know what the right bait is? Because he studies you. This is war. He knows where you're weak. And so where do you think he's going to tempt you every time? At that point of weakness. He's just going to dangle the right bait in front of you so you can start down that road and give in to that temptation. Knowing this, you would think you would avoid doing certain things completely. Knowing that maybe there's a hook dangling somewhere in it. But we don't. We're, we're like fish. We nibble at it. We play with it. Often the devil lures us to take one of our legitimate needs, like to be loved and twisted and tempt us to find fulfillment elsewhere. It's like married folk. At the office, who flirt with others. You say to yourself, Oh, that's just harmless fun. It'll never amount to anything. But deep down, don't you realize there's a hook in there? There's a hook. And the devil wants you to bite hold of that hook, he wants to snag you. It's so easy to go from just flirting a little bit and a little bit of temptation to suddenly, when things aren't so good at home, to start depending on that other person. It all began with just flirting a little bit. Which is why you have to be so careful. We can't be deceived. We have to realize that just as lures are often flashy, so the devil's lies are as well. And how he tempts us. Last stage of temptation is disobedience and defeat. What did it take to get there to this point? You went from desire to something... You want to doubt, doubting God's word to deception, believing this, the devil's lies to finally giving in to that sin and destruction. It didn't take very long to get to that point. Sometimes it just happens, boom, 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 boom. Sometimes it, it's much slower. But the, the thing is, the devil wants us to give in to that temptation And so we have to fight back. And so how do we fight back? Listen to Psalm 119, verse 112. I have made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. I have made up my mind. That's a choice. You have to make a choice each and every day. When this becomes your routine, when it becomes your habit to bring everything to the Lord, that's when it leads to health. Healthy minds and healthy thoughts that will keep us from temptation. Not that we'll ever totally be free from it here on this earth, but hopefully the older we get, the wiser we'll get, that we'll learn to obey God's word and and, and do what it says and to make every thought, to surrender every thought to, to Christ. What are some of the things you can do? First, I need to fill your minds with the truth of God's Word. Now, some of you are probably thinking, oh, here we go again. Pastors always talking about devotions. Oh, man, this really gets old. But do you see how important this is? If you want to fight back against the devil, it's got to be through the Word. If that's what Adam and Eve would have done is taking God's word, the promise that he had already made them, and threw it back at the devil, it would have silenced him just like that. What did Jesus do when he was tempted in the desert? He used God's word, and and, and as a result, he silenced the devil. See how important it is to take out the sword of the Spirit, to put on the belt of truth around your waist? you got to do this every single day, not just once a week. But you got to put on that belt of truth, well all the armor really, but that belt of truth which is God's word and that sword of the Spirit which is his word that you can fight back against the devil. we got to take it up. we got to use it. Otherwise it doesn't do you any good. And so every day you've got to fill your mind with that truth. And if you can memorize some of that truth, then, then the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind in any and every every situation. David says in Psalm 119, 147, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. See, it's a decision, it's a choice that we all need to make. And the second thing, I think this is obvious, but it's so important, you need to develop your relationship with Jesus. Just as the hymn writer says I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose thy power when thou art near. We need the Lord right by us. There was that old bracelet that a lot of people used to wear, WWJD question mark. What would Jesus do? How do you answer that? What would Jesus do in every situation? Well, you know what, it's really not that big of a mystery if you're walking with the Lord. If he's right at your side, then you'll know what Jesus will do, because you're following Him. He's with you. He's filling your mind, your heart, your thoughts. But if he's far away from you, yeah, then you're going to wonder, what will Jesus do in this situation? It's so easy to to lose touch with what the truth is. And again, that's why we need God's word to, to fill our lives and to fill our minds. What about you? Is Christ your passion or is he your hobby? Is he your reason for living or is it extracurricular activity? Something you do on Sunday. When you're walking with Christ, you'll know His peace. You'll sense contentment. You'll feel His power because you're walking with Him, in step with Him, filled with the Holy Spirit. But when you're far from Him, then it's going to get it's going to get difficult. I heard an illustration a while back that compared us to air traffic controllers. All of you are air traffic controllers and and your airport is your mind. You're in control of what thoughts you allow to land and what thoughts you just keep letting them fly. You're in control of that. That's why we need to guard our minds in Christ Jesus. We've got to ask him to help us, to help us make wise choices. How does Paul put this idea? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. If you're going to think about it, that's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice to think about that and to make sure Christ is Lord even of your mind. Just as wallowing in a mental mud pit, self-pity and guilt and regrets, complaining and anxiety, that's a choice too if you want to walk down that road. And so we got to get serious about our faith and put our trust in the Lord. Your God is faithful. He's not going to let you down. I pray each of you will be able to say from longing hearts, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for your word, how it speaks to us, how it convicts us. Lord, we all stand guilty of at times of just not putting our trust in you. Lord, of, of not surrendering everything under your control. And Lord, as a result, it's so easy to give in to temptation. Lord, we just pray that this morning we might have a new beginning. Fill us with your spirit Enable us to do what we couldn't on our own. And we just pray that our every thought will be pleasing to you. That we will guard our minds from allowing the things of this world to, to filter in and, and somehow to change us and to make us take our eyes off you. Thank you for your promises. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I must tell.